All right, now that we've clapped, let's praise him. Come on, let's just praise the Lord in this place. You can be seated for just a moment. I want to welcome you to Harvest Worship Center this morning. If you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Phil. And on behalf of our entire family, we'd like to welcome you and ask you just to make yourselves at home. God is so good. Amen. Um, we, we could be a lot of different places. No one made you come here. You say, well, you don't know my mom and dad. Well, good for your mom and dad. Amen. Amen. Uh, didn't hurt me. Didn't hurt me at all. Didn't hurt a lot of people I know to be told, let's go and let's give God his day. And, uh, but if you're here this morning and you're just glad to be in the house of God, let's just give him one more praise while we're seated. Just one more. Amen. I'm going to share a verse of scripture in just a moment before I get into that. I just want to uh, say if you are a first-time visitor with us and you haven't filled out a connection card, we'd like for you to do that. Uh, if you need one of those, uh, we'll make sure you get one of those. Also, there are calendars available uh, for those who would like to know what's going on in the month of December, and I would encourage you to get one of those. There's a lot going on this month in our local church, and we want to be a part of that. We also have uh, the last outreach of the year will be going on. Uh, and that is, uh, we will be having a feeding or, or a dinner at the uh, Hope uh, Shelter here in just a few weeks. So uh, be a part of that. Be involved. God will bless you for it. Um, also, I'd like to just say uh, real quickly, uh, there is a ladies event going on this coming Saturday evening. Uh, they're looking for a great turnout for that. So please keep that in mind. And then also, uh, we We've just got a, a busy schedule uh, Christmas program. For those that want to know, that will be uh, December the 15th. You don't want to miss our Christmas program this year. I think it's going to be excellent. Um, we have uh, two, actually two uh, uh, times they're going to be presenting that program because they work real hard Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And you say, well, I'll come Sunday morning and I can lay out Sunday evening. Well, if you lay out Sunday evening, you're going to miss the Christmas party. Yeah, I'm clever. There you go. I'm just kidding. But yeah, the Christmas party will follow. Um, we will not be having a Christmas dinner because we're doing the uh, presentation both services. So I felt like that was just a little much to try to do that preparation. So we're going to do finger foods and just have a time. Now, if we only have one plate of cookies, everybody gets a bite and we go home. So, you know, that's how it works is bring something. And uh, again, uh, we'll enjoy a time of fellowship before we go into the holiday uh, with our families. And so, again, just want to make you aware of those things going on. There, There is no bulletins this morning. So uh, if we could, at the end of our worship time, we'll scroll our slides uh, so people can make note of those. And those are going on right now. Also, there's an angel tree in the back foyer uh, coming into uh the restroom area, and if you would like to get uh, an angel and help bless a family this holiday season, please be a part of that. And uh, we ask that you get that. The instructions uh, are on that to help us get everything in at the right time so we can get it to the families for Christmas. So with that said, um, I want to move into just a, a verse of scripture uh, as we go into our time of celebration and as we continue our time of celebration, which just says simply this, Psalms uh, 26 Verse 8 says, O Lord, I love the habitation of your house, the place where your glory dwells. Lord, I love the habitation of your house. Um, and I'm just going to do just a brief little teaching on this. Um, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of his people. Um, 
we have to create a habitation for the Lord to feel welcome in. He's here. He's here. There's no doubt he's here because the word declares he's here. But to create a habitation where his glory dwells, there's a difference. There's a difference. You can go to church and not create a habitation. What is that habitation? If you look into the book of Ezekiel, Isaiah, Revelations, you get glimpses into uh, heaven. Okay? And what is going on in heaven? The four and twenty elders are falling out before him. The seraphim are flying to and fro. The cherubim are bowed before him. And they are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Over and over and over again, it is an environment of worship. So if we really want the glory of God to fill this house this morning, we want to create the habitation that he needs. How many of you have ever had fish? If you came to one of our recent events, Jim gave you a fish. Okay? Lots of goldfish left this church. We hope you were blessed. So I got tickled at Facebook. If you didn't read the, the comments coming about the different homes for, for fish, it was quite interesting. And the names. I, I personally like bubbles. That was a good one. Um, but you, if you'd have taken that fish and took it out of the water and, you know, named your fish Fred or Bubbles or whatever and laid it on the table and said, okay, you're my pet fish, what would happen to that fish? It would die because there was no environment that it could dwell in. How many's ever been in a service or a church celebration and all of a sudden it just seems like things just open? You know why? Because we have not created the environment to welcome the Spirit of God into this place. How do we create that environment? By worship, by praise, by joining with all of heaven this morning. Because in heaven, they are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And you know what? The ones crying out, holy, holy, are curious about why God would redeem people like us, creatures like us. But we have been saved by the blood of Jesus. And if anybody has a song worth singing this morning, we have a song worth singing this morning because he didn't have to redeem us, but he chose to do so. So I wonder who's ready to worship this morning. I wonder who's ready to create an environment where the glory of the Lord can fill this place. Well, look, he's here, but who wants him to be here? Amen. How many needs him to really show up in their lives right now? This is a, a moment of honesty. You really need him to show up in your family. You really need him to show up in your household. You really need him to show up in your job. You really need him to show up in your relationships. If that's you, I want you to jump to your feet right now and let's begin to create an environment that the Holy Spirit will feel welcome to invade our lives in. Amen. Father, I thank you. And I praise you this morning for your glory, Lord, dear Jesus, is ready to fill this place. Lord, we lift up you because, Lord, not because of the things you've done, but because you are worthy. That is the bottom line. You are worthy to be praised. Lord, you're, you're worthy to be praised even, Lord, if I'm not feeling well this morning. You're worthy to be praised even if, Lord, things are falling apart at home. You're worthy to be praised if my health is not exactly where I want it to be. Lord, whatever the reason I may make is an excuse, there is no excuse because, Lord, I don't fear the one that can destroy this body because, Lord, 
Lord, if he does, I will enter into the presence of the one who has redeemed me. We have reason to celebrate. And in Jesus' name, we declare this is a habitation of worship this morning and praise this morning in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's worship. Let's worship this morning. Turn it for 
Mason, Alexia, come here. Stand up here. 
put them on the spot a minute. Um, they're fixing to sing a song about healing, welcoming the healer. And uh, How many of you need healing in your body or you know somebody that needs healing in their body? Or come on. Don't be shy about it. You know it. Raise your hand. You know it. And for some, it's more than just this seasonal sickness that they need healing from. It's some chronic stuff. Um, and uh, I was thinking about this song they're about to sing. And, uh, it just seems to me a lot of times the enemy is after this generation harder than any generation I've ever seen. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, um, there was, somebody said, oh, it was the same stuff. But, but it seems like the amplifier's been turned up. Um, yeah, there was a, the same stuff, the same temptations, but it's like the amplifier has been turned up. What are you saying? I, it just seems to be the enemy's after these young people. He's after you, youth. He is after you. He's hard after your minds. He's wanting to destroy you. He does. He does. He's not your friend. He's an angel of light. He appears as light, but he has death inside of him. He's a murderer, the Bible calls him. And then I, I look over and I've watched these youth worshiping the Lord. And there's more, but I, I just grabbed these. But this young lady wasn't long ago. We didn't know if we were going to have her around. And they were saying there was a, a malation the size, this size. And it turned out being the size of a raspberry. And, and they said she was going to have to learn to talk again and walk again. They called me back just a short time after her surgery. And she said, hey, Pastor P. Oh, my, really? Yeah, you can praise God over that. Amen. Here's a young man born blind. Born blind. And God opened his eyes. He don't even wear glasses. <laughs> you say, and why am I up here? Because I know you were joking around with some of the folks about not driving on a holiday. Yes, you've not had too good of luck on that. She's had a couple of wrecks. She had one right out here picking her sister up not even coming to church she's picking her sister up but she's here she's here could have been really bad y'all can be seated what are you saying pastor he seeks to kill steal and destroy you dance with him long enough i'm telling you he's gonna he's gonna demand payment and it's not that they were doing wrong. As far as I know, none of them were doing wrong. I'm just saying the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, and he don't care who you are. He don't care who your family is. Guess what? He don't care if you're the pastor's kids, the deacon's kids, a board member's kid. He don't care who you are. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And I've just, as I was thinking about the youth just under our own nose that that the enemy has sought to just kind of wreck things. And there's others I, I, I could call up here, but I didn't for time's sake. I want to say something very plain and simple to you this morning. If the devil's fighting that hard against this generation, he has, God has some more calling for this generation, some more purpose that is beyond what they even understand at this time. I'm telling you, you have a great destiny. 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say it till you're sick of hearing it, till it gets in your hearts, if you are under the age of 20 in this room. Now, if you're over 20, you're still included. But I want to get the really young ones, because when you get to 20, you begin to think about other things. But, but, but listen, everybody's included. But this generation, this younger generation, teenagers, and I'm telling you, God has a purpose for you that the enemy is fearful of. He's shaking. He's scared of you. He's frightened, because when you begin to live out your destiny and realize God is not just this God that I come and I serve at convenience, but he is a God that walks with me and speaks with me and communes with me and he's involved in my life and he has a purpose for me. Something amazing is going to begin to take place in your generation that you've never seen before. You're going to begin to see people that you never thought you would see in church start coming to church because of you. Because of you. So if you're fighting something this morning, I want to say something to you. The healer is here. Amen. And and when we talk about the healer, he didn't just come to heal our bodies. The Bible said he came to heal all our afflictions. That means body, mind, and spirit. He's the healer of the body because he made the body. He's the healer of the spirit because Jesus died on the cross and there's not a sin that that blood can't wash away. I'm here to tell you, some of us need to get a hold of this. But he also came to restore my mind. Yes. To be the God of my thoughts. Yes. Are you ready to welcome the healer this morning? Some of us have allowed the world to educate us on some things. God's ready to re-educate us on some things. Amen. Amen. I just want us, if we would, as they get ready to sing, I want us to close our eyes all over this building. And I just want us to say these words. I welcome you, healer, into my life.
Can be seated. Amen. 
We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you into this place. We're going to ask for our ushers to make their way at this time. And we want to prepare our hearts to give this morning. Um, appreciate all that you do as we try to further the gospel in our community and beyond. Um, I'm going to uh, just make an appeal here. We are getting a, our, ushers our ushering team together for the new year. And if you would like to serve as an usher, we uh, would. I'm going to do it this way, or help in our parking, or as a greeter, I would like for you to meet with me up front following service, because we need to start organizing that. We need we need some ushers. We desperately need some help with our parking. Uh, Jim handles this end, but we need someone to also handle over here. And so uh, we'd like to have enough that they can rotate that. And so please, if you would be interested in helping us with that, and by the way, you can be younger and help with the parking, and you can be younger and you can help with the uh, being an usher. So uh, if you are interested in that, please let us know. And also as greeters, I want to encourage some of our youth to be a greeter. However, if you decide to be a greeter, Trish will hold you to it. So uh, she needs you here, and it's a very important part of our local church is, is greeting folks when they come in. Um, with that said, I want us to uh, prepare our hearts to give this morning. Um, I hope and I pray that you had a blessed Thanksgiving and that your cup's running over. Um, I know that many of you uh, went to see family and got to spend time with friends and family and different ones, but it's good that you are here this morning. Uh, I know some are still on the road coming home from visiting family, but it's good to, good to see you this morning. We just ask for you to to uh, just open your hearts to what God has. So with that said, I'm going to ask for everyone, if they would, to bow their heads, and I'm going to ask Eric to pray, then for our ushers to serve.
give the Lord a praise as we're being seated this morning. Amen. Amen. We want to adore our God. Amen. I'm going to lift him up. What a great God we serve. Amen. I'm going to be wrapping up this Untamed series this morning, um, unleashing the Spirit of God in our lives, unleashing that, that, that untamable Spirit. So many times we want to tame the Lord. We want God to fit in our way of thinking. We want God to fit in our little box of understanding. And God's never going to do that. As a matter of fact, He's going to break forth. He's going to break free from that every single time to show His power and His majesty and His glory. So this morning, I want just to, want to invite you into uh, the Word of God this morning, the next few uh, moments as we share uh, some things in closing on this particular topic. Uh, we began this journey several weeks ago, and we talked about um, how, what it means to have the Holy Spirit in our lives, have the Holy Spirit released in our lives. And uh, last week, we talked about that um, this power helps us to enter into God's presence, or a couple of weeks ago, enter into God's presence. The Holy Spirit empowers our prayer life. Amen. Um, there's praying, and then there's praying. Come on, folks. Um, there, there's, there's asking God for things, and then there's those moments when, when we don't know how to ask God. Anybody in this room ever tried to pray and didn't know what, what to say? That's why the Holy Spirit has come, to be that helper and that intervention to help us pray when we don't know how to pray, to help us, the Bible says, with groanings and utterings that cannot be understood. The Holy Spirit understands. Amen. Uh, the deep inward cry of the, of the heart of man, the spirit of man, as we long to touch the presence of God. We long to be in the presence of God. And so I want to encourage you as we dive into this today, as we look further into this today, to be open to what God's spirit has for you. Be open to what he's wanting to do. God's been healing a lot of folks in this church. I mean, he has been moving, answering prayer. Now, and, and again, he answers prayer and he moves in signs and wonders and miracles because he loves us and he wants to bless us as a good father. But my, my question today is, are we only worshiping him for what he can do for us? Or are we worshiping him because of who he is? Amen. Are we adoring him because of who he is? He is the son of God. He is the, the, the living God that, that God the father sent his only son. That, that, that when the son uh, returned to the father, he sent the Holy Spirit to come to help us and to aid us in our walk with God. He didn't, look, he understands that it was going to be hard for us to live right on our own, so he sent the helper, amen? He knew it was going to be hard for us to witness to people, so he sent the helper to enable us to be a better witness. How many of you have ever wanted to react one way and found yourself reacting in a way you never dreamed of? It was kinder, or it was gentler, or it was with compassion, and you didn't want to have compassion. You didn't want to, you wanted to kind of lay down the hammer and God said, no, I want you to present this in a spirit of peace and love. And all of a sudden you're acting. That's not you doing that on your own. That's the Holy Spirit moving in your life and, uh, and orchestrating his will and his plan in your life. Romans 8, 26 says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. How many has some weaknesses in this room? You got some weaknesses? Again, I thank you for your honesty. Um, we'll, we'll be praying for all the perfect folks, but that's weak folks. We, we, need, we need help. Amen. Uh, we all have weaknesses. I don't care who you are in this room. We have weaknesses in our lives, and we all go through things, and we, and we have to handle things every day. How many of you have handled something poorly in your life? 
right here, both hands. How many of you have handled things and realized, wow, that was pretty good. I did, I did good. And, and you're thinking, wow, I, I, it's no eye to it. That's the Holy Spirit in you. That's the Holy Spirit in you. Because given over to ourselves, we would do what seeks our own uh, uh, glory, our own preservation, our own uh, uh, advancement. But when we give over to the Holy Spirit, we'll find ourselves stepping back instead of stepping up. We'll find ourselves uh, 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 saying, have compassion instead of having judgment. It's an amazing thing what God can do because the Bible says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, in our weakness. So when we're weak, you say, I'm just so weak, Pastor. Do you realize you are a prime candidate for the Holy Spirit to help you. Amen. I don't need anybody's help. Do you realize that is, that, that is a disease that will destroy your life? Amen. Look at, look at somebody beside you and say, you know what? I kind of need you. I kind of need you. I need your help. I need you. I need your help in, in, in this life. So likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And that word groaning in the original language means a, a, an inward cry, that the deepest moan of the Spirit. In other words, uh, it, it is with great passion that the Spirit creates that. I don't know if you've ever done that, but you found yourself in a situation where all you can do is say, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, that groaning that the Lord understands every bit of that. How many believes God understands the language of tears? Well, if he understands the language of tears, he understands the language of groanings and utterings, amen, that come deep, generated by the spirit of life and hope. Amen. So if you're new at Harvest, this is how this works. You can go eat quicker if you amen. When it comes to prayer, we naturally don't know how to pray. We think we do sometimes, but you know, when it comes to praying, sometimes I don't know how to pray. I naturally, it doesn't come. It's not a natural thing to me, especially when I understand whose presence I'm coming into. When I really get a grip, when I really get an understanding that I am walking into the presence of the God who made everything, the God who is, is orchestrating everything, the God whose spirit hovered upon, uh, upon the face of the deep and said, let there be light and there was light. When I really get an understanding that this God that I am serving is the God who is the master of all things, the creator of all things, that everything hangs together by his will, not because somebody said, no, science makes it hold together. Well, who do you think created science? Who do you think the first physicist was? That's God Almighty. God is the, first, the one who created the atoms and created the universe and created, the Bible says, that by him all things hold together. It is through him that we have our being and our life. And if he understands that, when I walk into his presence, I'm not walking into, uh, look, some of us need to get Jesus off the cross. We look and we, we think of Jesus, we see this, this being hanging in flesh and ribbons, blood spilling from him, and, 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 and the shame of, a, of the world upon him. And I'm here to tell you, that may have been the case for the moment, but I'm here to tell you, on the third day, he came out of the grave victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says he has been glorified once again. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and you want to get a glimpse of who he is now, you need to read 
read John's description of him in Revelation. John was said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Don't you love that? He said, I was in the Spirit on what? It was church day. It was time for church. He said, I was in the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, there's some amazing things that could happen for us, church, if in this coming year and the rest of this year we would step into the Spirit and start allowing it to be untamed in our life and begin to realize this God that we serve can do anything he wants to do. He is not restricted in any way. He is untamed. But John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And then all of a sudden he said, I heard a voice that sounded like the Son of Man. But when I turned... I saw him glorified before me. He said his hair like lamb's wool, his eyes like fire. His voice made me want to unravel, my very being unravel. He said, I fell at his feet as if I was dead, and I heard him say to me, fear not, I'm the first and the last. I'm here to tell you, when you go before God in prayer, that's the kind of Jesus, that's the kind of name that you're going to God with is the, the one who defeated death and hell and the grave every demon in hell still shakes at the mention of his name and when I say Jesus I say a mouthful he is God Almighty Amen and if we would unleash that in our prayer life what would God do who could God save who could God set free who could God deliver Amen anyone anyone don't you think of the meanest person you can think of right now? Don't look. <laughs> Lord, help us. Y'all looking at people? They were this morning, you know. Oh, grumpy. Think of the meanest person. Think about what impact it would have in this community if they got saved. I love it when anybody gets right with God, don't you? I love it. I'm not belittling anybody's testimony or anybody. I love it when these children give their heart to the Lord. By all means, get right now, stay right now, and don't get into trouble that some of us got into. Well, how, how many of you that got in a little bit of trouble in your life would say to these young people, get right now and stay right now. If you want to say that to them, just give the Lord a praise for that. Come on. Get right now. Stay right now. Stay out of that trouble. Have a boring testimony. I want to challenge you to have an absolutely boring testimony. I got saved when I was a kid. I stayed saved when I was a kid. I went through school and saved. I lived for the Lord the best I can. No, I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you what, he's been faithful to me, and I've tried my best to be faithful to him. I never got into this. I never got into that. God, fill, fill this generation full of that. Fill this generation full of those kind of testimonies because I'm going to tell you there's nothing wrong with being right. Nothing wrong with that. You don't have to have a terrible testimony to reach somebody with Jesus. Did you know that? Now, however... Those that have some, how many's got a terrible testimony in this house? <laughs> you, you know, in other words, you walk through some stuff, you've been through some stuff. I mean, some people can't even escape it at church. Jim's trying to do parking out in the parking lot, and everybody's telling him, you used to orange, aren't you, Jim? 
saints of God killing me. Your pastor would never throw that in your face. <laughs> Maybe once or twice. You know what I joke about? I joke about it because it's a joke to the devil. He thought he had him and he lost him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he thought he had him and he lost him. Mm. How many of you, the devil thought he had you and he lost you? Just jump to your feet and give God some praise. Come on. He thought he had you. Oh, my goodness. He thought he had you. Amen. Amen. Whew. I'm having a good time. How about you? My prayer, my prayer life is energized when I realize who I'm talking to and I get him off that cross. I am thankful he went to the cross. But listen, don't leave him there because if you leave him there, that was the moment of defeat. The moment of victory came when he walked out of the grave. That's the moment of victory. And I'm here to tell you, you really realize who is coming back for us is not some Hollywood, frail, little, skinny, anorexic Jesus. Good gracious. I don't know if you've ever ate with Jewish folks, but they know how to eat. I don't think that Jesus was some frail, skinny, weak-looking, physical. <laughs> I, I, I get upset sometimes when I see Hollywood depict Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, my Jesus, he lived on this earth. He, 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 he worked on this earth. He was a carpenter's son. He was a carpenter in Nazareth. But when the day came that he had to make a decision to end his life of, of, of ease in Nazareth, I want you to think about that. Max Lucado's got a beautiful book that's great for Christmas time. It's called God Came Near. And if you're a reader, get it. You'll love it. The Christmas book is great. But he talks about the last day in the carpenter's shop. And he said he talked about Jesus sweeping up the tables and putting all the tools where they went, sweeping up the sawdust and memories coming to his mind as he played as a toddler on the floor in the sawdust of his dad's shop. And he, got, he said, do you wonder, do you wonder? Now, we don't know this for sure, but that's what I like about that. Do you wonder sometimes what may have went through his head that last day, Brother Meredith, before he shut the doors on the shop? Do you imagine what went through his mind? You know what? I could, I could live a good life here. I could live out my days here. I, don't, I, I could come back to the earth when crucifixion wasn't the way they put people to death. I could come back maybe when lethal injection was there. That's, that's less painful. That's less hardship. That's less on me. When flogging isn't the way they punish people, ripping the flesh from their backs and bones. I could come back when things are easier. I don't know what may have went through his mind, but I do know this. He turned, walked out the door, shut them, locked them, walked into the synagogue in Nazareth that day, opened the book or the scroll to Isaiah, and he said to them, the, or read to them the passage on the suffering servant and said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Messiah has come, and he shut the door on an easy life, and he embraced the path of the cross for you and I. But here, listen to me. He didn't stay there. He didn't stay there. So when I go before the Lord in prayer, 
I do not imagine some skinny anorexic Jesus hanging on the cross. I imagine the Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father. Oh, my goodness. Not, subs- not, not second, but equal. you got to understand, it's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are equal. They're all God sits at the right hand of the Father and he looks up at the Father when I begin to pray and he makes intercession in my behalf. He pleads your case and he pleads my case before the majesty of heaven himself and God the Father doesn't look and say, no, you don't know what you're talking about, son. God the Father in complete unity with the Son, he executes his will and his plan in my life. Think about that. When you pray. And then when I get before God, and I don't know what to say, that Holy Spirit that He gave us begins to move within me and touch the throne of God directly with groanings and utterings that I don't understand. But God interprets completely. In other words, he has equipped us with everything we need to succeed in our walk with him if we will unleash that spirit and that untamed spirit in our lives. Too many of us, we're boxing God in. In other words, we look and we see the diagnosis in a loved one's life. They have cancer. And yes, it's a despairing and disheartening thing to hear when our loved ones or if you yourself get that diagnosis. But oh, it is great to know that my life is not in the hand of cancer centers or chemotherapy or radiation. I might have to walk that path, but my life lies in the hands of the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of all things. He has the final say. He has the final say. And when God says, come home, there will be no power on earth hold me here. But until he says, come home, there's no power on earth going to take me out. So if Satan brings it your way, I want you to listen to me and I want you to hear me really good this morning. God is the author and the finisher of my faith and my life, the author and the finisher of your faith and your life. And there is no power in hell that can overcome the power of Jesus. God's in control. Somebody better praise him for that. Mm. If we're going to see God accomplish things in 2020, then we better get a 2020 view of who God is and quit letting ourselves be blurred, our vision be blurred by the things of this world. Bad stuff happens to good people. Awful things happen to good people. But I'm here to tell you, my worst day has always been better when I've had Jesus on my side than any day I've had without him. I need him. You need him. And this coming year, we better get 2020 vision of who God is in our life. Mm. God is ready to build his house. Look at somebody say he's ready to build his house. This spirit is given, this untamable spirit is given so that the will of God can be accomplished. When it comes to building a house, there are logical steps that everyone needs to take. In other words, you don't put the roof on first. Kind of impossible. It begins with the foundation. 
which is then followed by the structure. And then daily maintenance that is needed to, in order to keep that in place till the roof goes on and the building is finished. In other words, I'm not talking about a physical building. I'm talking about building the spiritual house in 2020 at Harvest Worship Center. I want to see the spiritual house grow. I'm glad for the numbers God has sent. I'm thankful for those that want to come to church here. And I hope more and more want to come here. But if we get numbers and we don't build the spiritual house, then we have labored in vain. We've got to grow this year and we've got to get strong in the Lord keeping this formula let's look at the building of our spiritual lives the foundation the foundation of our lives will always be the rock which is Jesus salvation in our life listen salvation is not a once and done you're going to need him more every every day how many has asked God to forgive him of something this week wow rest of you the altar is open why? Because all of us, everybody's fulfilled every bit of this book this week. No, right here. What are you saying? We are living in an era of repentance. And we can look at the person that is in despair and the person that is in sin and say, oh, they need to repent. But I'm here to tell you, the Bible says judgment begins with the house of God. And I'm here to tell you, I'm thankful I was saved when I was eight. I'm thankful for that. But I have made more trips than I can count to Calvary. And I've asked Jesus to wash me again and again and again in that cleansing flood. I'm here to tell you, the blood still flows from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath its flood, lose all their guilty stains. Amen. Even when I don't do it all right, all week long, I can still find forgiveness at the cross. I'm thankful for that. We have to lay the right foundation. We have to grow in the Lord. And to lay the right foundation, we must understand salvation in its process. Matthew 7, 27 or 24 through 27 says, Everyone then who, is ears, uh, who hears these words of mine does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat, beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. How many has disobeyed the Lord before? I have. Come on. If, one of these days we're going to get honest in this church. Amen. But until then, I just preached to me and about five or six of us that, are, that said we failed. Amen. I've not always obeyed God. I'm just being honest and truthful. If I can't do that, I resign right now, and I'm not, I'm not joking. We got to get real. I'm going to tell you right now, that's the reason churches are failing all over America today and emptying all over America today because we have created a clergy that will not be honest that they need Jesus just as much as the person in the pew. I need his help probably more than some of you. I need it. I don't always do what the Spirit says to do. I don't always obey the Word of God. He said, if we do that, you'll be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rains fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The reason many churches are falling today is they are building on a, on a tickling and scratching, itching ears gospel. They're telling people what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. I'm here to tell you, the rock, Jesus, that firm foundation needs to be established in our lives 
And I'm here to tell you, when we begin to build on the right things, the truth, the Word of God, then when hell unleashes its worst, our house will stand strong against the storms of the enemy. But when you build on fake gospel, just I want to tell people what they want to hear so we can fill the seats. I'm here to tell you, if you do that, eventually a storm will come and it will wreck the house. It will wreck the house. Just recently, the false prophet Joel Osteen. I call them what they are. He gets out, he gets, he gets up, it says God hates the poor. Go look it up. I'm not making this stuff up. If the man get his life right, I'll be up here and I'll quote him for truth. But till he, if, until he gets out of that damnable gospel that he's preaching to thousands of people who are lapping it up, because they're told, if you really do what God wants, you'll become rich and wealthy. I'm here to tell you, Jesus said, you're going to be like me. And I didn't see anywhere where Jesus left this world rich and, and wealthy. I didn't see where the 12 uh, apostles died rich and wealthy. What I saw them die is horrible deaths. I saw them go through suffering. And the Bible says that this momentary suffering is nothing compared to the glory that awaits you. That's what Jesus taught. You're going to go through stuff. Well, he gets up and he says, God hates the poor. He says, what if I brought my kids out here and they were dressed in rags and they were hungry and starving? He said, what kind of father would I be? Oh, good Lord, help us understand. Help us understand that there is a false gospel being preached in America. Now, if you like this man, that's fine. But you, no, it's not fine. I'm going to just tell you how it is. You may never come back. But he's, not, he's one of them, one of many. How many of you are having your best life right now? Your best life right now? You think that this is the best it can get? I'm going to tell you something. If my best life waits me on planet earth, then heaven means nothing. My best life is awaiting me on the other side of all this. That doesn't mean that God doesn't supply my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm here to tell you that doesn't mean that God doesn't take care of what his kids need. But I'm here to tell you he might give you, <laughs> he might give you a Chevrolet instead of a Mercedes. He might give you a bicycle if you're in Uganda and you pastor in three or four tribal churches and you have to go see them and you're walking to them over 100 miles. You say, that don't go on. Yes, it does because one of the first mission projects we ever did was buy a pastor a bicycle so that that pastor would at least have a way to go a little bit faster to the churches he was pastoring and they sent us back a picture and here is this Ugandan man standing by this bicycle going, God is so good. You say, I, 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 man, I got them rusting in the garage. Ship them up. Send them to Uganda. What are you saying? I'm here to tell you God is a God that didn't promise to be some great Santa Claus that would provide all of you with, with everything you want. And that gospel is being preached and it's being lapped up by thousands and millions. And they're being deceived. And they're being told when things don't go their way, they're unfaithful. That's a lie. That's a lie. It is what it is. He also promotes this, and then I'm getting off of him. And let him have a break. You say, man, you must really hate him. I don't hate him. I beg God to save him. I beg, I beg God to correct his path because he's got a platform of influence. And what would happen if he would get up and change that 
that platform to the truth. Oh, well, his church would empty probably some. But I'm here to tell you, I'm convinced there's people that are ready to hear the truth in this world. They're tired of it because they've lived it out the way they've said and they haven't seen the miracle working power of God. I'm here to tell you, I have met a lot of people in my life. I have traveled a lot of this world in my life. But there's one man I will never forget as long as I live and I'll never forget his family and his wife. But in 1992, I traveled to Israel with my, uh, uh, my friend and the missionaries we were staying with and we... We were going to minister to a man named Albert Babisha. And Brother Babisha was Iraqi by birth, but he lived in Jerusalem. He lived in the, in the Arab section of, of Jerusalem. He wasn't allowed to live in the Jewish section. And so we were going to visit him because he had been sick. He was a blind preacher. Every day he would, draw, he would go to the steps of the city of old, old Jerusalem and he would preach that the Messiah has already come and he would preach Jesus. One day, some Arab boys came along, and they didn't like what he was preaching, so they shoved him down the steps. And when they shoved him down the steps, Israeli guards saw what they had done, and they came, and they grabbed him, and they began to beat the boys severely. They took him to the police station, pretty much told them that they wouldn't leave the police station if he would press charges. Brother Babisha looked at them and said, my Jesus would have forgiven them. I will not press charges. The young Arab boys fell on, his on their faces before him and was kissing his feet, literally kissing his feet. Now, uh, and then after that, every day after, those Arab boys would go with him to the old city of Jerusalem and stand on either side of him as he would stand up and preach the gospel. So we were going to minister to this man. He was uh, blind, his wife was blind, and his, their daughter who took care of them, a lot of the time she was special needs. So we get in the car, and, and you want to know you're in a, you know, <laughs> in, in a situation when you're told you better get an Arab cab to take you there. A Jewish cab won't take you there. So we get in the cab of an Arab cab driver. Brother Babisha said, when you get there, now this is a large section of Jerusalem. A large section. So when you get there, just find anybody walking down the street and say, take me to the blind preacher's house. They'll know me. And so we get in the cab, and all of a sudden our cab driver hits his wipers so many times. He'll blink his light so many times. And we ask him why he's doing that. He says, and he laughs. He goes, <laughs> so we don't get blown up. All of a sudden, this little southern boy from the Bible Belt, things got real. And I realized the gospel is a precious thing. And that we in America, if we're not careful, we'll take it for granted because we've heard it so much, we falsify it. This man didn't have nothing. But boy, I'm going to tell you, when he prayed. Mm. So we finally get to his house. Their daughter greets us. We get in there, and I'm going to tell you, we came to minister to him, and oh my goodness, we didn't do nothing. That man ministered to us. His wife ministered to us, and he wanted to pray for me, and he wanted to pray for, for, for uh, Chris and Brian, and so we said, by all means, pray for us, and he did it individually, but I'm going to tell you, when someone, who has been, when someone has been alone with God, you'll know it. 
When that man laid hands on me and began to pray with me, I'm telling you, I thought I was going to unravel at that moment because the power of God felt so real in my life. In that little home in the Arab section of old Jerusalem in the nation of Israel, I'm telling you, I encountered the Spirit of God in a blind man that would leave this world with nothing to his name. But I'm here to tell you, in heaven one day, I plan on shaking the hands of, him, of that man and his wife and their daughter. And when I shake his hands, I'm going to look at him and he's going to see me because the Bible says he's going to have brand new eyes. And I'm here to tell you what a glorious reunion that will be. God give us in 2020 people who will stay alone with God so that the power of God can be unleashed and untamed in this community this year. Amen. This year. We have to build on the rock. I'm almost done. The second step is we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, nat the natural question is, this foundation of salvation, this foundation of Jesus, that rock, how do we build? This year, I'm here to tell you, we're wanting to build in more than, than a spiritual house. We're looking at trying to get a building. But I'm going to tell you, if that building is not built because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we'll fail. If we don't follow the Holy Spirit and build this spiritual house first, that physical house will never exist. Every, <laughs> Matthew says, Every, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does, not, uh, do, does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. I want to build on a, on, a, on a true foundation. How about you? Not just spiritually, but physically. I want to build the right way. The Holy Spirit is the one who will keep our foundation from crumbling. The Holy Spirit is the one who will direct us to build in the right path in our life. What are you saying, Pastor? There's a lot of churches and a lot of people who are building their lives as they see fit, and it's crumbling. It's crumbling. I'm gonna, I'm, I look, how many of you have ever been through the process of building a house? Anybody? Okay. Let me just, what if we, let's just use it. We decide to build, build a church, and we come up with a plan. We decide this is what we want. And we hand it to the builders, and the builders start building the, the church. And a few weeks later, we go out, and it's nothing like what we decided. And the builder looks at you, and he says, hey, uh, I, gotta, you know, I go to a church over in such and such a county, and it looks nothing like y'all want, so I, I, I decided I was going to make some modifications. I knew it would be okay. I can tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to say, knock it down. I'll drive the bulldozer if they need me to do it. But you're going to knock it down, and you're going to build what we decided on. How many of you, if you were building a house and the builder took liberty and said, hey, I'll just build it the way I want to? What are you going to do? Knock it down. It's not what I ordered. I'm gonna, I want you to hear me good. Some of us hear the rumbling of the bulldozer. You can bind the devil all you want. It's the Son of God riding behind that thing. He's driving it. And he's saying, this whole thing was built in my church, and it wasn't according to the plan that I gave you. And because it wasn't according to the plan, it's got to be knocked down. And I'm going to knock it down because it's not built the way I want it built. I'm here to tell you, Jesus doesn't even trust you and I to build his church. Did you know that? What did he say? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know why the gates of hell are prevailing against churches today? Because churches have built what they want. When Jesus builds it, it doesn't matter what hell musters up. It cannot prevail.
against it. I'm here to tell you, when you build your life on this book, on this word, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. If the gates of hell are overcoming your life, maybe we need to look how we've built. Come on. My kid's going crazy, manifesting. Man, we was, where were we the other day? Well, he's somewhere at a restaurant, and this kid was manifesting. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, good gracious, beat them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You've been there. <laughs> You're trying to have dinner, and it's... <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Have people come to me, you got to pray for my kids, they're going crazy. How have you built? Pastor, pray for our marriage. It's, 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 how have you built? Pastor, pray for our finances. How have you built? Oh, this is truth, whether you want to hear it or not. Pray for my, how have you built? What have you built your life upon? Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. That's the problem. We're taking too many preachers' words for it. Preachers mess up. I remember first place I ever preached. I went back there for a revival a year later, and I spent the whole first part of the sermon apologizing for the first sermon. It was awful. It was awful. Theologically junk. It, misinterpretation, junk. Aren't you thankful for growth? I hope I'm growing. We need a move of God. Come on, church. Our county needs a move of God. We need something built in our lives that can't be wrecked because I don't feel good at the moment, so I'm going to return back to my familiar sin. There comes a time, the Bible says, that we got to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. I'm going to tell you, I don't know what the sin is for you. I know what it is for me. Come on. Everybody's got one area they seem to not be able to overcome. Anybody? Not me. I appreciate the honesty in the room. But there comes a point where Jesus says, you have to grow up on a true foundation to where you're tired of being held back in your run, in your walk. Come on. And you lay it aside. You lay it aside. Let's stand. If we're going to truly see the Spirit of God untamed, unleashed, we're going to have to get real honest with ourselves and with God. And we're going to have to learn to be accountable one to another. Now, we'll give you some accountability rules. Is this okay? 
If you've got a spouse, then by all means be accountable. But sometimes there's things that men can only share with men and women can only share with women. But I'm going to give you a scriptural warning here. If you have a spouse, you don't need to confide in anybody of the opposite sex except for that spouse. That's truth. You could be opening a door for the enemy. We need to learn to trust in our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. You don't know, Pastor, my trust has been hurt before. Maybe we need to be more prayerful about who we confide in. True? But just because I've been burnt once doesn't mean I need to just clam up because that's what the devil wants. Some of us, we're carrying burdens all by ourselves, and we need someone to talk to. We need someone to share what's going on in our lives with. Because accountability is the only way to truly get free of some of the things we need to get free of. True accountability. In other words, what is accountability? Accountability isn't just having somebody hear what I have to say and say, yeah, dude, I'm going through the same thing. I'll pray for you and walk away. No, accountability is having somebody that you will give permission to invade your life. Get up in your business. Because with accountability to one person or another person, it makes me accountable to God. Come on. That's the biblical, the biblical pattern. If we're going to build right in 2020, if we're going to build with good vision in 2020, there must be godly accountability in this church. Amen? And that may mean just one person, but you need somebody you can talk to. Especially if you're a man struggling with something or a woman struggling with something, you need to find another man, another woman that you can confide in and talk to. You weren't meant to carry it alone. Amen? You say, you just don't understand, Pastor. It's so dark. It's so bad. I just don't want nobody to know it. It's shameful. It's all this. There's something amazing that happens when you take something that's in the darkness and you push it into the light. It loses its power over you. Great example. I know I won't get a lot of hands. Anybody ever told a lie? Wow, more hands than that than some of them. Okay. When we tell lies, we have to tell more to cover them. Come on. And the more you cover it, the more elaborate the lying has to become. Come on, come on. Anybody? But what happens, almost a sense of relief comes when finally you don't have to keep up the charade anymore. Oh, you dread the consequences. You, you hate what's fixing to happen, but then there's this almost sense of relief. I don't have to keep up the facade anymore. In other words, that's the same way it works with sin that's hidden in our lives. When I bring it into the light of Jesus, it loses its power. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation. So with that said, 
I'm going to give an altar call this morning. If you need to go, no judgment here. I know sometimes we have things going on. We have to get out the door. But we're going to make time for those that might need to pray this morning. This is how this is going to work. If God's dealing with your heart, how do I know God's dealing with my heart? A lot of times if you're wanting to run out the door, that's a good indication God's dealing with your heart. That's just the truth. But if God is dealing with your heart and you are ready to start taking steps towards freedom, steps towards deliverance, steps towards being who God wants you to be, no, you're not going to pray and get up perfect, but you are going to take a step towards the perfect one. That's Jesus. Only perfect person in the room right now is Jesus. So if you need Jesus this morning, I'm going to tell you something. He is ready to meet you where you're, where you're at. But, but sometimes it takes a physical move to represent a spiritual decision. So this morning, if you need something from God, I'm going to challenge you to slip out of your seat. I don't want to do it by myself. Then don't. Take somebody by the hand and say, come pray with me. Come pray with me. Don't be shy. Don't wait on somebody else because guess what? It doesn't matter what people's opinions are. It matters what God's opinion is. If you need him this morning, if your soul is crying out for something deeper this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I want to walk in freedom this morning. I want to be set free. I'm tired of the condemnation. I'm tired of getting up and looking in the mirror in the morning and beating myself up, thinking about what an awful person I am. I'm ready to be set free. If you're ready for that, God's ready for that. And all you got to do is make a step. But what will people think? What will people say? I'm telling you, I can speak for this church. We're going to think, that's me. That's just what I have to do. That's just like me. Come on, there's some others. Let's get some folks down here to pray with these. Come on. Come on, Jim, get you down here. Some of these, Eric. Let's get some of these down here. Pray with this young man. There's some others. You need to make a decision right now. You need to make a move right now to God. Come on. There's some others. Let's get some ladies down here. Come on. There's some others you need to pray right now. Come on, God's dealing with your heart. We have time this morning to let God do what he needs to do. To let, let him work in somebody's heart, work in somebody's life. Amen. Amen. We're talking about the gospel in this room. We're talking about the truth in this room. Amen. 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 Come on, there's some others. There's some others. Nobody praying alone. Nobody praying alone this morning. Come on, there's some others. God's dealing with your heart. Now's the time to come. Now's the time to come. God's ready to set us free. God's ready to set us free. Well, I'll, I'll wait till somebody else does it. No, come on now. God's ready. God's ready. God's ready to move in your life. But you got to let him. You got to let him. He won't bulldoze his way in. No, he won't but he'll invite you to be a part of him. Amen. Amen. This altar remains open if you need to come pray. I'm going to pray with some of these down here. Let's worship a little bit.
to somebody beside you and let's begin to pray for one another. Can we do that? We still have some praying and we want them to pray as long as they were, but I just want you to pray for one another today. Amen. Amen. If you've got a need, just whisper it in somebody's ear. Just say, hey, will you remember me? Will you remember my family? Will you remember my marriage? That's okay too. Remember my kids? Just whisper it in their ears and I, I just want us to take a moment and begin to pray. Come on, all over this building. Begin to pray for one another. Begin to ask God to give strength to that person that we're holding hands with, to give courage to them, to give compassion to them, to give guidance to them, to give direction. Come on, let's, let's believe God for it. Father, we just ask you for these things right now. We ask you for these things. Lord, we know, God, you are stronger. God, we know you are greater than anything the enemy brings our way because greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Father, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of joy and of a sound mind. Lord, we declare it, God, in our homes. We declare it in our families. We declare, God, that in the year 2020, the Spirit of God will be untamed in our lives, unleashed in our hearts to do, God, what you want to do to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare this over our families, over our families, over our families. Raise your voices to heaven. beside you and say untamed 
untamed. The Spirit of the Lord must be untamed. Amen. He won't be tamed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Tame, trying to tame God is like trying to tame a lion. I tell you, ask the lion trainers. They thought they had them trained and then they attack them. There's a wildness in God. Amen. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I'm so thankful. So thankful for a God that isn't boxed in to the way man thinks he should operate. But he is free to do what he wishes to do. Amen. Please remain standing. Our youth pastor, one of our youth pastors is coming at this time. He's going to dismiss us in prayer. And then we're going to see everybody tonight. There is play practice at 4 p.m. for those who are in the Christmas program. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we just, we're just thankful for you, Jesus. I'm thankful for everything you've done in my life, God. And